Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Rice. Touchdown 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of 49ers fans break down the game each week and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences since he became a fan in 1949. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my dad, Jared, and my grandpa, Mike, and we are a 49ers family. Okay, Uh, not the prettiest of wins, but a win it was. Um, Still won by 13 points, although it felt like it was going to be closer. Uh, The defense stepped it up uh, and came out with a W. Grandpa, how are you feeling? What are your initial thoughts and takeaways from the game? I feel great because it's a win. And, and really, that's all that matters. But for most of the day, the offense was, was asleep. And then they hit the snooze button. I mean, um, and I was concerned actually going into this game because of the busy week that we had prior. And just to refresh, we flew to Colorado Springs for three days um, to get acclimated to the the thin air, the altitude in Mexico City. And then we flew to Mexico City. And then the team actually has some obligations. They had to appear in a couple of places in Mexico City to promote. Um, <clears throat> and then there was the game and the game was great. I mean, the, the following of Niner fans was phenomenal, but it was a Monday night game. So we lost a game or a day during the week. And then there was Thanksgiving during the week, too. So I was worried that, you know, we didn't have a lot of time and we've made, you know, a couple of trips. And sure enough, um, we scored one touchdown and it was on a tipped pass. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was fortunate we scored it. So once again, we were one for three in the red zone. And for the year... We're 20 for 36, which is 55%. So it's like half the time we get to the red zone, we score. And not, that's not good. Um, that has to improve. So <clears throat> we scored 13 points against a four and seven team. You know, it's the offense was, was not good, but the defense was awake mm-hmm. and they were spectacular. Um, so, you know, all year long, we've kind of been saying off and on that we have the top rated defense and most of that, there's different ways to measure it. Most of that has been based on yardage. Um, and now we can say, you know, a whole bunch of other things too. We, uh, we've given up the fewest points of any team in the NFL, 173 is the fewest points so and and there's other measurements too but we i mean the defense was phenomenal two goal line stands two forced fumbles we haven't allowed a point in the second half now for four games it's like 94 minutes um and we held new orleans to 64 rushing yards so I mean, just a magnificent performance by the defense. They they saved us. Um, and then just one other note, and I want to talk about 
the shutout and how really difficult that is. So mm -hmm. in this day and age, I remember, you know, as a kid, there were shutouts. But now with the kickers that every team has, I mean, a 50-yard field goal is normal. Right. And when I was a kid, it wasn't normal. There was, it didn't happen. Um, so anyway, New Orleans had gone for 21 years, 323 consecutive games without, I mean, with scoring. And um, that was the fifth longest streak all time. Um, and guess who holds the all-time record? It's the San Francisco 49ers. So we, we went from 1977 to 2004, which wow. was 420 games of continuous scoring. So um, we, we hold, we hold, that's one of the records we hold. So that's well, kind of neat. That's kind of neat. And uh, just real quick, Grandpa, I think that stat of the Saints, the last time that they were shut out previously, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw yeah. it was actually the 49ers that held them scoreless in that game. Correct. That's right. yep. In fact, we've shut the Saints out four times, um, even wow. going back further than that. But, you know, then they got Drew Brees and it was, it was um, you're not going to shut, shut down Drew Brees. But anyway... Um, we won the game. We gained a game on Seattle, and that's all that counts. So I'm stoked. Yeah, no, a, a win is a win. Um, sometimes it's the defense. Sometimes it's, it's the offense. And ideally, it's both. Uh, but this game, the defense made those stops. Two times the Saints were within the, what, five-yard line or at least within the 10-yard line. And both times they came away with nothing. That as a as a, an offense and a fan, a fan base, I have a, a lot of friends actually that are Saints fans because I lived in Houston for four years. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of those guys are either, either Texans fans or Saints fans because there's a lot of people came over after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, and I was just thinking about all my Saints friends like just have to be dying that they got in, they got within the 10 yard line twice, which could have been 14 points and could have won them the game. Exactly. Um, um, but, but yeah, the defense stepped up in a huge way. It was awesome to see. Um, Dad, what were your takeaways, thoughts of the game? Um, I was, um, I was happy, obviously with the win. Um, that was, uh, that was first and foremost, it would have been nice to see the offense do a little bit more. Um, the defense stepped it up, like grandpa said, um, takeaways though, I just off the top of my head, we still won by 13 points. That'd be like winning. Um, if we won the game, uh, 30 to 17, Right. We'd be going crazy, you know. A 13-point win in any NFL game is a is actually a dominant win. You know, it's kind of a unique perspective. Um, we shut them out. And we only put 13 points on the board, a couple of field goals, and a touchdown. So that was a little disappointing. Um, but I think we have still a lot to build on. I think Jimmy had a good game uh, overall. He didn't have much time in the pocket. Our interior line was the problem. The 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 that pocket was collapsing from the inside instead of coming from the outside. It was, it was coming up the middle and uh, Jimmy does not good, do well in a rush. And he just didn't have time to get rid of the ball and go through his progressions like he normally would. 
so that changed us. We we didn't run the ball a whole lot. We passed uh, quite a bit. Um, but Jimmy had eight different receivers involved in the game. Um, that that's huge. He's spreading the ball around. Um, offense. If we can secure that line, we need a little more time. I think uh, we're going to be okay. So I'm happy with the win because um, every win counts. Every game's a dogfight, and any given Sunday in the NFL. Um, it, honestly, any team can win. So um, we don't make it, you know, look too easy. I like when we make them look easy. So I'm looking forward to uh, have an opportunity to slow down those dolphins. And if our interior of our line, uh, I guess we're going to, we had to, as a Burford's hurt. So I think Brunskill is going to fill in for him. Um, hopefully we get a little more support on the interior line and Banks and Brendel. Um, they do their, do, do their thing. So um a lot of good things to take away, but offensively, um, just uh, we didn't really get to move the ball as well, and we didn't convert in our red zones. And the last thing is, which was huge and could have changed the whole entire game, is um, turnovers. We had zero turnovers, two takeaways. Had we turned over the ball, and there was that one interception and other potential turnover opportunities uh, to give away the ball, but we kept the ball. If we keep the ball, we are positive in our turnover ratio. We, I, I really believe we can win any game. And we need to have more takeaways. Hafunga's hit, um, and that takeaway right there on the one yard line uh, uh, in the red zone for uh, the Saints was humongous. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was awesome. So super super good. I think that's going to really fire up the the defense more. The takeaways, I think, it actually becomes a contagious thing. Uh, the players start taking away the ball. It it encourages or just inspires the rest of the team defensively to be thinking for the, looking for those opportunities to hit the ball like that. So, I I, um, I couldn't agree more. I think you made a lot of good points, especially the turnover margin is huge. Uh, I think the two biggest takeaways from that game or or slash ways to quickly lose games in the NFL is red zone offense and then turnovers on defense. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't convert as many red zone opportunities as we should have. And, but, but yes, we were net, you know, too positive in the turnover margin, which made all the difference, Um, even right off the bat, you know, they drove 15 yards and we got a fumble already which we didn't convert that one into a touchdown, but we did convert it into, into three points. And even that would have been enough to win this game. What I thought that was awesome to see, uh, not necessarily surprising, uh, kind of, but um, awesome to see is how the Niners defense, even though they were bending and honestly, the mm-hmm. Saints looked to move the ball easier on our defense than we were moving on their defense. Uh, we came out with 13 points. They came out with nothing because the defense, they weren't, they never broke. Even when they got within the 10 yard line, it was still all out effort. It was punching the ball. You could tell even late in the game it, when they would have scored or when they could have scored and it wouldn't have really mattered. I mean, they could have, got an onside kick and, you know, made some magic happen, but the chances of that are slim. Uh, but even then, you could tell that they did not want to give up anything. They didn't want to let them score. And I thought that was awesome. That was yeah, were passionate. So New Orleans had the ball inside the 49er 44-yard line five different times. Wow. They had it inside the 30 three times. They got nothing. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's wow. huge. Great defensive effort, and it was passionate. I mean, they were fighting. Mm -hmm. um, it was, yeah, we have a great defense. We sure do. As far as kind of what jumps off the, the box score, um, I can go first because I want to do want to highlight. We mentioned it a, a couple times on this podcast, but uh, this game, he really was a difference maker. Um, Juwan Jennings was huge, especially on that one drive uh, where I believe he had two third down catches and then he ended up scoring the touchdown on that tipped pass that I was holding my breath because the tipped passes are not good. Um, but it fell right into his arms and it scored that that touchdown, which is a beautiful thing because honestly, you know, props to the New Orleans defense. They played better than expected. Uh, and and we're able to create pressure, make it make things difficult for for our offense. And and honestly, we talk about our weapons every single every single time held our weapons to pretty moderate, um, you know, stat sheet. So, so props to them, but Juwan, he was a difference maker. They, they couldn't cover everybody and Juwan. And we found Jimmy was able to find Juwan on those key downs. And he's got such length, uh, Juwan does, you know, yeah. his length is, his size is, you know, you put him on a, a small cornerback or safety, you know, and you, everybody else is tied up. And that's why he threw that ball to him too. It was just his height. And he threw it up so high that that defensive back could barely get his hand on the ball. And then it falls into Juan Jennings. But um, yeah, it is his size. We need that length to stretch defenses and uh, really cause trouble for the, the defensive backs, you know, um, on the opposing team. So yeah, but he would, you could tell um, Jimmy was really feeling uh, Jennings uh, and during the game and after the game he said that Jennings works so hard in practice he really sees his effort at all time he's in every play he gives it his all and so he was trying to feed him and uh, hopefully that becomes another threat like you said we have so many weapons and to protect all the weapons is a nightmare for you know uh, the teams that we play so yeah that was fun to see he's a ferocious blocker I love watching Jennings block. He just pancakes people. Yeah. He's, he, he really is a complete player. So, you know, and we never talk about him. Mm -hmm. yeah. So many stars. But on the stat sheet, we, you know, we didn't score many points, 13, but we had 21 first downs and over 300 yards. And the time of possession was good. We had almost 35 minutes. They had 25. Mm -hmm. um so you know we just didn't score a lot of points but it's 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 coming i mean um we'll talk about the dolphins in a bit but yeah well and then i guess just reactions it, it, it seems and we always talk about how kyle shanahan is really good with spacing and kind of the scheming of the offense and getting guys open it obviously it just logically makes sense that that would be maybe a weakness of his in the red zone because there's less space to work with um, right. and everybody is a little bit more clumped together and like you said grandpa at the beginning not a great year for our red zone offense I kind of expect that to get better I hope it can get better um, I know people on Twitter and other things were saying that they need to bring in you know like a red zone specialist or do some um, really 
just looking around the league and borrowing from other people's packages that they do within the red zone because we have the best fullback in the league. We have, I mean, Elijah Mitchell, we haven't mentioned yet, but he is probably going to go on the IR again with another MCL injury, unfortunately. But we still have um, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, we have um, Jordan Mason uh, that showed out. He also played really well this, this game, five, carry, five yards per carry. Uh, and then we have all these weapons but yet we can't do anything in the red zone. It's super, super frustrating. And, and you got to believe that it's a play call that is maybe sure. not the best play call. The guy that might make a difference, and I, I'm hopeful he will, is Jordan Mason. He, he's 5'11", 223, and they call him a mini Marshawn Lynch, mm -hmm. which is quite a compliment. He's actually bigger than Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch was 5'11", 215 or something. He's 223. So we need, you know, to get that last yard, it's 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 so difficult. And and Jordan Mason might be the guy. So he's gonna he's gonna play. Mm -hmm. What we have uh, what I see happens, we try busted up the middle and our run blocking has not been good this year and i back to our interior line we have struggled let's just be honest um so and that's when we're trying to punch it up the middle and it's like hitting a wall i mean we can't get we we're fourth and one and we can't do anything you know yeah. um it, and then we're trying to throw the ball where there's not a lot of space and jimmy he can't read real fast unless he's got one target he's just going to go to so somehow we need some creative red zone offense, just like you're saying, Josh, I really think that a red zone specialist and learn. I like guys in motion and, and sweeps to the outside or just we need to get around the edges and our guys can burn them with speed. I think I love kind of stretching. Um, and also that it's interesting about the Niners. Um, I saw a stat where our, the way we line up as a line, we're very close together. Uh, like they, there's measurements for just, our formation traditionally and that's the spacing between our our center guards and tackles that's that lineup and just the way we run the ball or, or typically line up we are a very tight formation other teams have tremendous space in between but because of that tight formation it's a lot of bodies in there and we need to get people outside we just need a just a, a little bit of tweaking we have the playmakers but traditionally you know run it off guard or off tackle <laughs> is really I hard and it's hard to pass. I want to get us outside. Yeah, I know. I think everybody that's a 49er fan threw up their arms when Jimmy G tried to run it in on fourth down, fourth and goal. <laughs> and it's like, oh, and yeah, Kyle Juszczyk, he did trip or fall. Um, and the play essentially was kind of broken up quickly. Uh, but and he wasn't supposed to run the ball and he tried but what well, i mean he just moves slower than everybody else on on the field he's not a runner <laughs> it's not it's not his strength so i hope the coaches gave him um not yeah gave him a little little bit of a licking to say hey that's not your job uh that's not who you are let's stick to our strengths and i was surprised that even even once again that fourth down like we have weapons give it to Debo give it to Christian McCaffrey um get like 
Yep. And yeah, I think we will start seeing Jordan Mason. Grandpa, I think that's a really good point. He is more of a bruiser. He he runs with literally Our, head yeah. down. He is like a battering ram uh, and falls forward. That's how, once again, he was able to get five yards of carry because when he's falling, he's gaining yards. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, once again, one by 13 points. The spread uh, was like nine, I think, nine. Yeah, nine it was ten. eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, bouncing around all week. So I mean, beat the spread. The Niners covered, which was, uh, you know, always, always impressive. Just not the way that we really expected it to go down. Right. But it's, a team, it's a team sport. Yep. Okay. Um, any last thoughts on the Saints game? Um, well, we probably spent a lot of time on it. I was going to talk about Nick Bosa and he, you know, how he makes things happen. And they're not just sacks. So, you know, there was um, a third down in the second quarter where he was held mm-hmm. and it pushed New Orleans out of field goal range little things and then there was a face mask penalty on their tackle um late in the second quarter and that's the play that nullified the pick you know the 30 yard interception so and then bosa um new orleans was trailing 13 to nothing it was fourth and five from the from our 26 and um they jump early and it was a five-year penalty and it pushed them their field goal attempt was 48 yards which hooked left so bosa does these other things that you know you may not notice at the time but it's they're difference makers so that's i guess enough about new orleans no that's a good point though i'm glad you brought that up because yeah he was a difference maker and even to that last play that once again, I'm sure the Saints fan Saint would say, Oh, he yeah. was offsides. He was totally offsides. If you watch it slow motion, he timed the ball, that the ball moved and he moved at the exact same time, which is maybe a little bit of luck, a little bit of skill, but hey, the people that work harder seem to have more luck, uh, is what I've heard. So uh, it's really real. I mean, he's just such a difference maker, and I'm excited. Uh, we'll get we'll get into here shortly. I'm very excited to see what he does this week because word has it that the the Dolphins might have a weakness on the edge of their offensive line. Yep, I, I heard about that. Do. All right. Yep. Well, let's transition over to the Dolphins game. So yeah, we got two winning two teams with winning records, playoff hopes, Super Bowl hopes going at it. Um, Miami Dolphins are eight and three right now. This isn't going to be another home game. This is our kind of a home stand, uh, if you will, for the Niners. Uh, another Sunday afternoon game. Um, right now, the spread is Niners are favored by four, although what I've seen is that a lot of people are putting money on the Dolphins. But Vegas has us at four, so Vegas seems to win, and I'm, I'm going with Vegas. Uh, and the over-under right now is set at 46 and a half points. All-time record, the Miami holds the lead uh, against the Niners eight games to six. 
and I, we're going to cover it a little bit later, but of course the epic um, Super Bowl win against the Miami Dolphins and Dan Marino happened at Stanford Stadium uh, where the Niners won 38 to 16 and just a just a dominant Super Bowl win uh, that we'll once again we'll talk about later. And the weather uh, weather for this game it looks like a little bit of rain is is in the forecast. We'll see how much it rains if that keeps. Once again, we record these on Wednesdays, and so Sunday seems kind of a, a ways away. We'll see if that moves to maybe the morning or the next day. Who knows? But right now we'll we'll see. Um, we'll see. But shouldn't shouldn't be too bad the game is in santa clara so the chances of a monsoon game like we saw in in chicago aren't going to happen it might be a little bit of rain like we saw in mexico city where it comes and goes and 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 stuff so but it should be a good game um yeah grandpa i guess uh just off the bat what are some of your thoughts things that you're you're looking forward to with this dolphins game well a, a number of thoughts a couple of thoughts anyway um we have a connection with Miami. I mean, a lot of our people are now on that side of the field. Yep. Um, the head coach, Michael McDaniel, was with the Niners for five years, and he was our run game coordinator. And last year, he was our defensive or offensive coordinator for Kyle Shanahan. And then he brought along, you know, when we lose these assistant coaches, they always bring people. So he brought some four of our coaches and then you know Raheem Moser signed with them as a free agent um, during the offseason and then we traded Jeff Wilson so that's their running backs and then they have a couple of other players that play a little bit two wide receivers mm -hmm. um, so there's you know a San Francisco flavor on that side of the field um, we don't play Miami, but every four years. So it's, you know, it's rare. We did play them in Super Bowl 19. I'll talk about that later. Um, and Tua, um, he's got two speedsters, yep. Tyreek Hill, who already ha has over a thousand yards receiving, and Jalen Waddell, who is approaching 900 yards. Tua just, he doesn't need a window. He just throws the ball. These guys run four, three or whatever it is. And he just flings it out there and they run under it and they, they are prolific. I mean, they can, they can score a lot of points. So um, this is going to be a, you know, a test. Um, it's going to be a test for our defense, certainly. So um, this is, this is a defining moment in our in our season it really is dad what are some of the things on your mind as you think about this game let's see thinking about this game is they they scare me in the air so i'm just worried a little bit about our secondary i think we'll get a lot of pressure on tua um he's a left-handed quarterback It'd be interesting so he'll be staring right at nick bosa's eyeballs as nick bosa's coming off the you know that side of the line instead of being the the blindside tackle are coming from that direction. Bosa will be coming right out of on. So, um, but uh, I worry about their air attack. I think we'll stop the run very nicely. Um, I just worry about our secondary. They have such speed. So uh, that's where I'm worried. Uh, we just have to beat them on the line defensively so we can get some uh, 
some covered sacks, if you will. Um, that's my, my number one thing is just uh, um, putting the pressure on them and our defensive backs have to step up um, with, with Ward and all the, the, whole, the whole crew, Hafanga. Um, I think they'll do well, but they're going to have their work out for them with just a lot of speed. Um, and that's what Miami's known for, just being a very fast, very quick team. So we got to contain them and uh, stop them in the secondary. Um, and that's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Those as are my far, yeah. As far as injuries go, mm -hmm. uh, the, the injuries, of course, always impact the game. And uh, especially mm -hmm. the better the player, the more impact that they make. Uh, you know, we talk about Nick Bosa on the Dolphins side, their kind of best tackle, if you will, is uh, Taron Armstead. He has a pec injury um, and apparently came out today that he's not going to have surgery and hasn't been ruled out to play Sunday versus the 49ers. Although if he does play, how effective would he be is kind of the question, especially against a guy like Nick Bosa. Um, and then their other right tackle uh, is, and I can't find his name right now, he's also either questionable or, or out. Um, you guys correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, but then as a unit, they are the 31st out of 32 ranked offensive lines. So obviously a weakness there uh, and their strength being, yes, Tua is having a great year. Wide receivers are, you know, super threats. Um, but as uh, you know, well noted and how Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch build these teams are is the foundation of a solid, deep uh, defensive line, which once again, talking injuries, our own Eric Armstead is in line to hopefully play this game uh, against the Dolphins. So strengthen that interior and draw attention. What he does really good is not only run blocking, but just drawing attention, which pulls attention off of Nick Bosa. Because if that guard has to look this way and then this way, <laughs> by the time he looks to the second guy, he's gone. Um, and so, so it's, it's well documented that having Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa on the field at the same time is yeah. huge in a, against a defense, against an offensive line that is already weak. Mm -hmm. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting game, you know, to see the line right now at 46 and a half points. That means, you know, if it's a tie game, 24, 24, uh, they're not, um, especially with a, a four um, point spread, uh, they're not meaning Vegas is not expecting a high scoring game like the Dolphins have been able to do on a lot of teams. We have a good defense. Uh, it's going to be a matter of, once again, can our offense take advantage of their opportunities? And then two, can our defensive line slow down this high powered offense? Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Let's bring it on. I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, it should be a good one. Uh, you know, one more thought. Mike McDaniel, of course, uh, was brought up under Kyle Shanahan really the last five years. I think he started working for Shanahan back when even maybe they're on the Texans or something long, long time ago uh, as an analyst and then kind of just kept going up and up and up. Uh, enough for Kyle Shanahan to promote him to offensive coordinator, which even though Kyle Shanahan was calling the plays, Mike McDaniel was his kind of, you know, in his earpiece saying, hey, like, 
let's do this, that we need to do this, we need to switch it up. And it was kind of Kyle Shanahan plus, uh, and has taken a lot of that over to the Dolphins and um, is, is, you know, calling one heck of a game these days. And so a lot of props to him and obviously wish him all the success besides this game, but even Kyle Shanahan in his presser today or yesterday, uh, really was kind of glowing talking about Mike again. You could tell that he still loves the guy, sees him as a great friend. Um, and I mean, he, he mentored him. He's the reason why he's the head coach, uh, because he gave him opportunities. So last year, um, <clears throat> McDaniel was the guy that suggested they put Debo in the backfield. Mm -hmm. wow. that, came, that came from him. And he's got a great story. I won't go into it all now because it's too long, but he went to Yale and he lived in Colorado and right. showed up at the Broncos thing and just was doing menial stuff. And he's worked his way up and he's a, you know, the players love him and he's done a great job. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but we we can score on Miami. Um, I don't, so especially you can, we can throw on them. Their DBs is their weak link. Their offensive line and their defensive backs are the weak link. So. Okay, I love that. I love that idea. And and we throw well and we use all those targets. I mean, so that would be that would be great. Um, and our if our interior line can can hold uh, and protect Jimmy, I think that'll be uh, it'll be awesome. Yeah. All right. And then we have Eliza Mitchell out, I guess, right? He's he's um, didn't practice, and he's what six to eight weeks out now, I guess, an MCL. That's what I said. Yeah, I mean, he could be back for as soon as kind of wild card weekend, or you know, maybe the the NFC Championship at the latest. Uh, super unfortunate, though. I mean, that guy, he came back, and I mentioned on the podcast, he looked good. He looked skinny. He was gaining yards. Yeah, uh, but you know, next man up. I'm excited yeah. to see what Jordan Mason can do, and uh, yep. you know, also got to mention Ty Davis Price, that mm -hmm. is also kind of a bruiser himself. Uh, mm -hmm. I, from what I've seen between Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason, I'd probably give the rock to Jordan Mason after Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Um, but it should be interesting to see kind of what happens there because also Christian McCaffrey, um, he he kind of stepped out of the game at the very end, said he felt something in his knee. Uh, mm -hmm. He is day-to-day, -day, apparently. Uh, today, got some good news, though, that he was out there for the walkthrough mm -hmm. with the helmet on. The fact that he had a helmet on, um, people are saying, okay, then that's optimistic that he will play on Sunday. But, heck, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I, I do believe, based on what we know about the Dolphins, and honestly, what we know about ourselves, Daddy mentioned the, the run blocking hasn't been great. Our pass blocking has been good. Uh, mm -hmm. It's almost, you know, and it's kind of a, it's a different technique. You know, when you're run blocking, it's a push uh, versus, versus when you're uh, pass blocking, it's mm -hmm. more like agility and it's mm -hmm. going side to side, which seems to be a, a more of a strength of our offensive line. Um, so we've embraced that we're honestly a, a pass first team. Kyle Shanahan showed that with his kind of play selection this last week. And I think we'll see more of that uh, based on kind of what we know about the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Good, good analysis. I totally agree with all those points. Perfect. Excellent. 
Um, and then, you know, I do want to mention uh, our good friend Wes uh, sent us an awesome email talking about or questioning just special teams in general and how, uh, you know, really they become a difference maker in big games, uh, specifically against good teams and and obviously into the playoffs just like last year we saw that packers had the worst special teams in the league and in a low scoring snowy freezing cold game what did it come down to special teams uh so but but you know to wes's point our our special teams early in the year didn't look very good we had that block um they the seahawks blocked a field goal um, we were missing a couple of field goals here and there, um, some bad punts and even just our coverage. It was just like, what, what is going on? But is it just me or do we think that we've seen some improvement there the last, I don't know, four or five weeks? No, there, we're definitely improving and there's some special teams is really a deep subject. It's, it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like they do much, but they're... <clears throat> There's actually 17 different elements to special teams. Um, and they're obviously involved in every kick. And yeah. we, we have a really good punter. He can place that ball. Um, it's always inside the 20 and often inside the 10, which is a weapon in itself. Um, we have gotten some kicks blocked. In fact, the Seattle game, the, the block field goal was their only score. Right. Um, and so there's some real, you know, um, foopas, but I think they have gotten better of late, Josh. Um, I feel the same way. Yeah, it looks like according to our notes that the Niners are now ranked fifth in the NFL um, after 11 games, which honestly it's surprising like i said uh i didn't i didn't know that um when i started this this a little section here uh but that means that we have seen significant improvement and i really do feel that way anecdotally it seems that that we have had a little bit of an upper hand on special teams our coverage has been better our kicking has been better our punting has been exceptional we've had some really good punts inside the 10 like you just said grandpa and Sam Womack getting down there and stopping on the one yard line, et cetera. We had another one, I think last week. Uh, so, so to be fifth in the league, that's, that's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as bad as it, it sounded. Um, but there's a lot that goes into special teams. There's 17 different measurements. So um, it's not just kicking a field goal or um, a punting. Mm hmm very good awesome but um yeah i think we can all agree the special teams is going to need to keep that up especially in these big games like this week against the dolphins uh, and then definitely as we get into the playoffs uh, every single point matters when you're playing a good team uh it, extra points can really you know they're talking baseball walks will haunt uh, and football missed extra points will haunt uh, because one point can make all the difference. Right. Did you guys have any other thoughts on uh, the Dolphins? Um, no, it's going to be it's going to be a tough game. This will be a measurement. Um, we'll see where we are. They're they're eight and three. Um, 
So <clears throat> I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am too. This is a big game, you know. We had our kind of bye week episode where we talked about the 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 next uh, kind of latter half of the schedule and what that looked like. And really, you know, as you look at, at the remaining six games on the schedule: Dolphins, then Buccaneers, then Seahawks on Thursday night. That's going to be a tough one. And then the Commanders, Raiders, and then closing out with the Cardinals. So, you know, this might be the most difficult game left on the left on the season, left on the schedule. Uh, still nothing to be overlooked in the Buccaneers and the Seahawks. Um, heck, even Tyler Henneke with the Commanders is, is playing. Uh, so, so, you know, nothing to be overlooked. But as far as, you know, Super Bowl contenders, slash you know those at you know atop the power rankings the dolphins are right up there with us um what i've seen we're around like number five and they also are depending on the the source also around number five yeah yeah this will be a tough one um so but we will prevail we will prevail yeah, let's yeah. hope Vegas is right. <laughs> well, very good, very good. Um, as always, we like to finish our episodes with a story from Grandpa Mike. And being Dolphins Week, we thought it would be fun to hear kind of where Grandpa Mike was uh, uh, during that the Super Bowl, the famous Super Bowl, Joe Montana against Dan Marino. Um, so, Grandpa, yeah, what do you remember from the game and 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 everything? Want to hear all about it? Well, we we played Miami um, in Super Bowl 19, and it just happened to be at Stanford Stadium. So I, I actually flew up to the Bay Area. I live in Southern California and um, was at my sister's house. My brother went to the game. He was trying to get another ticket for me, and that didn't happen. Um, so I watched it on TV. But leading up to the game, there was all this hype for Dan Marino, who was just in his second year. And he passed for over 5,000 yards and he had 48 touchdowns. So it was all about Dan Marino and what he was going to do. And it really bothered Montana. He, he admitted this later. It was, he said, so the Niners just annihilated Miami and this was Bill Walsh too against um, Don Shula. So two legendary coaches and the game started, um, it was pretty even and Miami actually was ahead. And then we came in the second quarter, we I think scored 21 points, um, just beautiful precision drives. It was Joe Montana at his best. And we had, I forget the exact total, I want to say 500 yards. We had a lot of yardage and we scored a lot of points, 38. Um, and it was a very satisfying uh, victory. And, um, and then a little later, my brother came home and, or came over to my sister's house in San Mateo and um, told us all about you know, how it was at the stadium and how electric it was. It was a home game for the Niners, which right. was nice. Um, 
So, yeah, Super Bowl 19 was, and Joe Montana was the most valuable player. Roger Craig scored three touchdowns. Um, it was vintage 49ers. So, that, you know, that's probably um, Super Bowl 24 when we beat Denver 55 to 10 was our greatest Super Bowl. But this was, this was just precision. And um, I'll never forget it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, as you're talking, pulled up um, kind of some more of the story and and talk about second half shutouts that like our current Niners have been putting on. They shut out Dan Marino in that high-powered offense in the second half. Right. Um, he, he got sacked four times, I think, and he threw two interceptions. Um, it was, I mean, he was rattled. And yeah, it was just, was beautiful. They had this thing called the killer B defense because everybody's name started with the B and we just ate them alive. Um, it was a great showing. Yeah. Um, that was the great Super Bowl. Super Bowl 19 at Stanford Stadium. Yeah. And then, of course, kind of the thing that gets, that gets talked about a lot is that Dan Marino and the legend that he was because, yeah, he put up numbers and records and um, won the MVP award and, and such. Uh, you know, was he the greatest quarterback to never win a Super Bowl? Uh, maybe. But he, he never won. Niners uh, denied him his chance. Right. And he never went back. Yeah. I mean, everybody thought oh, he'll be back often. It was interesting, too, in the draft where he was drafted was the great quarterback draft where L.A. went number one and Jim Kelly and all those guys. And Marino went number six because there was speculation that he was into drugs at Pittsburgh. He went to the University of Pittsburgh. And whether he was or not, I have no idea, but people stayed away from him. And Miami drafted him at the end of the first round was kind of like um, Aaron Rodgers. He just yep. slipped. And boy, did they strike it rich because he was he was great for his entire career. Yeah, he was. But he never went back to the Super Bowl. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. No. Um, it's awesome. Uh, last thing, Niners, uh, I've always had, I think, one of the best looks in, I mean, looks meaning uniforms in the NFL. I think they're the helmet pops and their uniforms are just different. You don't see red and golds really in any other team, professional team anywhere. Um, but similarly, I, I actually love the Dolphins uniforms. I, I think their colors are, are super cool the way that they come together. Um, I think their look is cool. The only thing is, I don't like their new updated logo. I thought their classic logo of the dolphin with the helmet on uh, yeah. is way better than their now almost like dolphin-looking super jet or something. Um, they try to make it like more sleek, but in the end, I mean, the dolphin is it's it's a dolphin. Let's let's not make it look like something cool. Let's make it look. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think they should have changed that. Well, it's, it's all about money, Josh. And it just sells new uniforms and, and everything. And so it's all about marketing and money. And that's why teams change their logos a little bit. The Rams have changed 
as have others. And, you know, that's why they wear these Thursday uniforms that are far out. And it's all about people buying their uniforms. And I love the tradition. I love the Yankees have never changed their uniform, nor have the Dodgers. And I just like the tradition. Yeah. Maybe old fashioned, but. No, I think um, it's, there is something to be said about it. Uh, but one last question for your grandpa with the NFL. Now you can have one alternate helmet, uh, which the Niners have not announced an alternate helmet. A lot of these other teams, like I think it's about almost half the league has already, you know, the Bengals introduced their white kind of tiger helmet. Uh, a lot of the teams have like a blackout helmet, which I don't like, but if the Niners ever created an alternate helmet, what do you think it would look like? Um, well, um, so their current SF, the helmets over the years, you know, when they started in 1946, they were leather mm -hmm. for a couple of years and they've had red helmets and white helmets. They went to and silver helmets and they went to gold in 1963 with the SF. The SF has changed a little bit over the years. Um, Eddie DeBartolo, when he was, when he owned the team, he wanted to change the helmet and they came up with this terrible, it looked like terrible a sign at a meat market, you know, 49, it looked like a sale of steak or something. And they came out with that and it was going to happen. And the fans just erupted and he backed off. One other note on the uniforms and um, so in the, once upon a time, we had these three stripes on the um, sleeve. sleeve. They went to two, you know, a number of years ago. We just went back to three. And I am so glad. It's just a stripe. Nobody even notices it. Yep, there's John Brody's old uniform. Um, but uh, we, I like us having our three stripes. That's what I grew up with. And I don't like them changing it. Yep. No, I, I agree. Um, as, as we were talking, I looked up, it was there any speculation and apparently there was an interview back in July. I'm trying to see who it was with Alex Ching, chief marketing officer, um, hinted that they were, he said, uh, there's really two options for us stick with the 94 helmet, which we're currently using today. Obviously there's been tiny little tweaks, but essentially since yeah. it's the same thing, or a 1955 helmet, which was a red helmet with a silver stripe and a face, a face mask. So I have, I have, the, I have, been the, I have yeah. a, an actual 55 helmet on my wall. That's awesome. Uh, and he says, so we're looking at both. So they're looking at it. We'll see if it actually comes to fruition uh, or maybe we'll be a team that says, no, we don't need an alternate helmet. Um, it could be, you know, something. Uh, I like the unit uniform intrigue. Uh, Sometimes updates are needed, like the Rams definitely needed to update their look and I'm glad they went back to the blue and yellow. Um, and the same thing kind of going to, to baseball, the Astros, their look was terrible and they went back to their, kind of orange and blue, um, which just pops and looks a lot better. So sometimes it's needed, but the, the best are those traditional uniforms that never have to change. Uh, yeah. And I love the throwbacks that the Niners wear. 
Um, but, but I agree. Well, the tradition is good. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for another episode of our 49ers family. Once again, appreciate you all turning, tuning in. Uh, we have a great game ahead of us and should be fun to see the Niners hopefully pull off another victory. So until next time, go Niners, go Niners, go Niners.